0: Live by every word, that is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk, this is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online. At kpcg.fm. We have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. All of our programming here on KPCG Radio is available there at thetrumpet.com or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. There is a very important but misunderstood passage of Scripture that we need to look at carefully because it affects all of us. Jesus Christ gives us insight in this passage that we'll look at today into the reality of the end result. Of the fruits we produce in this life. Once God calls people, they must be growing spiritually. We have to be producing fruits of God's Spirit. This section of scripture is found in Luke 16, verses 19 through 31, and it's fairly well known to most people. Christ here speaks about Lazarus and the rich man. It's an interesting section of scripture. People have misread it and looked into it and thought, well, it means something that it doesn't mean. And so we want to look at what it means today and realize how important it is for us to not only understand it, but then take the warning that is given in this passage. So let's look at Lazarus and the rich man and see what we need to learn from that today. And we'll start in Luke 16 and pick it up in verse 22. Spend most of our time here in Luke 16 today. We do have a few other passages as well. So if you have a Bible handy, that would be great to get these out and we can look at these together. Luke 16 and verse 22, it says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So the, the poor man, the beggar here, that's Lazarus. And uh, it's interesting, they both die. The rich man also died. He was buried, and the beggar died. It says the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. This could be misunderstood. People might think, oh, he went to heaven. But uh, we need to understand what Christ is talking about here. This is from Lesson 6 of our correspondence course, the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. That's free at thetrumpet.com. And it makes this point. It says, if we are Christ's, we become heirs with Abraham to receive the promises God made to him. You can note that in Galatians 3 and verse 29. And through faith we may all become the spiritual children of Abraham. That's in Galatians 3 and verse 7. And this is an intimate relationship, a close or bosom relationship, spiritually speaking, with Abraham. We are to be in close contact with him in sharing the promises. This is the sense in which righteous Lazarus, was taken to Abraham's bosom. There was a closeness there. They were going to share these promises. Abraham and all those who are righteous will receive the promises of God at the first resurrection. And you can note Luke 14 and verse 14, where Christ says, you shall be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. There is a resurrection of the just. And then the promises that are given by God will be fulfilled fully, and and those promises and rewards will be given. But as we read there, the rich man died also, and he was buried. And and the problem wasn't that he was rich, but obviously he was uh, disobeying God. Notice what happens next, Luke 16, verses 23 through 24. It says, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments and sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And so the word hell here is translated from the Greek word Hades, which means the grave. So the rich man is pictured as being uh, resurrected. He lifts up his eyes as soon as he comes out of the grave and uh, sees what his eternal fate is. The Correspondence Course notes this. It says, Abraham and Lazarus will have already inherited eternal life in God's kingdom. Matthew 25 and verse 34. They will have been immortal for over 1,000 years before the wicked man is resurrected to be burned in the lake of fire. And you can look at Revelation 20, verses 4 and 5, and Revelation 20, verses 13 through 15. It says, Until then, the rich man will have been dead in his grave, having no consciousness of the passing of time. That's Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 5. He doesn't know anything. It says, At his resurrection, the rich man will see the flames of the lake of fire beginning to surround him. He knows these flames will destroy him forever. And being in great mental agony, he asks for just a little water to cool his tongue, which has become dry from the mental anguish. He does not ask for buckets or oceans of water to put the fire out. He knows such a request would be denied. So the rich man is facing the reality of where his life choices have brought him. He's resurrected, and he has to face... The reality that's in front of him, and that reality is that he sinned. He lived a life of sin. He wasn't repentant, and so he now faces dying and not having eternal life, being gone forever, burning up in the lake of fire. And of course, that's a horrific thing to face. Luke 16, verses 25 through 26. It says, But Abraham said, and again, this is Abraham responding to uh, the rich man's request. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. So again, the problem isn't that the rich man had goods. It was just that his focus was wrong, and obviously he didn't live a life that developed the character necessary to be in the kingdom of God. Verse 26, and besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us, that would come from thence. So the great gulf between the two will be the difference between mortality and immortality, there's a reality that some will be in the kingdom of God most, but there will be some that aren't, that don't develop the character that's needed, that the fruits in their lives just aren't, aren't a, a, what they should have been. It's a reality. That time period does come for everyone where they come up in a resurrection, whether it's the resurrection of the just and the righteous, or it's that resurrection to the lake of fire. There are three resurrections in total. You can learn more about that at thetrumpet.com as well. Those that live and die in this life and aren't called by God and don't know his truth, they will have a chance to know him. But uh, again, ultimately, everyone will either be born into the kingdom of God or they won't be. And this is a picture that is being painted here by Jesus Christ. That reality that we all come to that point where we either take our place in the kingdom of God Or we have no place, and we are in the lake of fire and die. So that's the reality of where life leads to, one or the other, one path or the other. And so the decisions we make today, what we're doing today, uh, it matters. It's important, and we have to be thinking about that. The correspondence course says, Many of the condemned, like the rich man, will want their relatives warned. They're going to want them to, to know, and we'll read that here in just a minute, not realizing how much time has elapsed since they died, and that all other people will have already had their chance to receive salvation. See, this rich man died, and and when he was resurrected, he didn't know much time had passed. He didn't know what happened. And so you see here in verse 27, he's concerned, knowing what his fate is, he wants to warn his relatives. Verse 27, then he said, I pray you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house for i have five brethren that he may testify to them lest they also come into this place of torment you know he doesn't want people to waste their life he doesn't want them to squander their life because he sees the reality now of what he's facing he says well warn them so they don't do what i did verse 29 abraham said unto him they have moses and the prophets let them hear them you know, it's all written down for us, what we should be doing, how we should be living. Verse 30, and he said, well, no, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. You know, if somebody came back and told them, told them what, you know, they had to, to do in this life so that they didn't end up facing the lake of fire, then they, they'd believe him. They'd change then. In verse 31, he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets... Neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You know, if they're just not willing to hear the truth of God, once their minds are open to it and then they reject it, well, if they won't listen to that, they're not going to listen to anybody. They're not going to be teachable. Christ, you know, he talked about being teachable, being childlike. Well, here's a situation where some just aren't teachable. If they're not going to be taught by Moses and the prophets, they're not going to be taught by anybody. If they read it and then they just refuse to do it, well, it doesn't matter who tells them to do it, they're not going to do it. And remember, this is Jesus Christ teaching here about Lazarus and the rich man, and people just, you know, just disregarded that in many cases. We read it today, do we take heed or do we have it fall on deaf ears? The correspondence course says the account of Lazarus and the rich man does not prove eternal punishing by God and hell fire. Rather, Christ used this short illustration to picture to his listeners the reality of the resurrection from the dead, of both the righteous and the wicked. See, that's what we need to really take from this. Christ is picturing here the reality of the resurrection from the dead, of both the righteous and the wicked. How we live in this life is vitally important. You know, what resurrection will we be in? The resurrection of the righteous, of the just, or the resurrection of the wicked? See, that time does come. It's easy to, to kind of push that off. And we'll look at that here in just a minute, the warning against that. It's easy just to push that reality off, but, but that reality is coming. And it comes quicker than we realize. We do have to stop and think about our actions, what we're doing, or what, you know, we need to do that we're not. And then really think about the reality that we all face a resurrection from the dead. And then what's our eternal future after that? Do we have one or don't we? Depends on how we're living. And Christ wanted to really get that reality across to us. And this, this should get that reality across quite a bit. Imagine being in the rich man's shoes. <laughs> Was his life of riches, did it mean anything to him at that point? where he was disobeying God and maybe he had, you know, a life where he had some things, does it matter at this point? Of course not. Because he's facing the lake of fire. The chorus says that Christ was picturing the resurrection to eternal life as contrasted with the ultimate fate of the wicked, the resurrection to die eternal death. That is a reality and it's something that we have to think about. We have to seriously think about where our lives are leading. What is the end result going to be of this life that we're living? What is the end result going to be? Christ warned uh, about being casual, a casual attitude towards this reality. And he talked about that in Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is a pivotal chapter when it comes to prophecy. Christ talked about a lot of things that would happen up to his, leading up to his second coming. So we need to study more about that, and we have uh, information in our correspondence course about that. But notice this warning from Jesus Christ himself here in Matthew 24, and we'll look at verses 48 through 51. Verse 48, it says, But, and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. It puts it off doesn't say that Christ isn't returning. It doesn't even say that he actually says these words out loud so anybody can hear it. Just, But in his heart, the attitude is, well, Christ delays his coming. That'll be way in the future. I've got a lot of life to live before that happens, before I have to think about that. He says, but if that evil servant, thats that's an evil attitude thinks that way. Verse 49, and if he shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. So because of that attitude of my Lord delays his coming, he begins to live a life that's contrary to God. And probably in his mind thinks, well, I'll turn it around. You know, I'll turn it around at some point, but doesn't (laughs) for a while. Verse 50, it says, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him. And in an hour that he is not aware of. So Christ will return. And it could be, you know, at a time where maybe we're not paying attention. And all of a sudden, things catch up to us. But even if a person, say, doesn't live until the return of Christ, you know, they're, they're, as soon as their life ends, that's the books, you know, closed as far as what they did humanly in this life. And that comes up as a surprise on people sometimes. They think they're going to live on and on for a while, and they don't. Verse 51, it says, And shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, if a person lives their life, and they put the return of Christ far away, far off, they say, well, it's delayed. And they just go out and kind of live however they feel like. And they're sinning against God, and they're not supporting God's work. Well, things catch up to them quickly. It catches up to them quickly, and then it's too late at that point. It's too late, and they, as it says in verse fifty-one, are cut asunder. And they're they have their portion with the hypocrites, and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, there's sadness then. You know, a lot of a lot of sadness. People are going to be upset. You know that they aren't in the kingdom of God, they're going to instead be in the lake of fire and, and perish there. That's going to be a horrible thing. And God doesn't want that, of course, for anybody, but there are those that just won't repent. So this is a very serious warning, and it's something that we have to take seriously. We have to think very seriously about the end results of what we're doing in this life. What are we doing? What are the fruits? Are we obeying God? Are we supporting His work? Or do we put that off you know, and say, well, maybe I'll get to that eventually, but right now I'm just going to go out and eat and drink with the drunken. I'm going to smite my fellow servants. I'm going to live how I want to live, and I'm going I'm to put off really committing to God like I should because uh, you know, we may think, well, Christ delays is coming. Hopefully we don't. But we could have that attitude, and we're being warned here very specifically to not have that attitude, and Christ gives us this picture of the reality of the resurrection. And some will be resurrected into eternal life and into the kingdom of God, and others will be resurrected and face the lake of fire. And that's an eternal death that's just ceasing to be and not existing. That's the reality. So again, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what Christ said about Lazarus and the rich man. Hopefully this clears up some of that. You can study more about it in our correspondence course. And you can also read more about it at thetrumpet.com. We have some write-ups about that as well. But it should give us uh, a lot to think about. And we should stop and consider our actions or lack of actions and really realize that there is an end result to them. There is a, a, a cause for every effect. And so if we're not having the fruits we need to, then we need to change that now. Because uh, this is the life to be growing and changing, especially when you're called and when God opens your mind, then you really have to be producing fruits and growing. If you'd like to learn more about Lazarus and the rich man and the lesson from this, and there's quite a few we could take, but certainly just the reality of the importance of what we're doing today, then you can sign up for the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. That's free at thetrumpet.com. Or you can uh, read more about Lazarus and the rich man at thetrumpet.com. That's all the time we have for this edition of Live By Every Word. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God.